let him in, okay? Oh my god. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him in. Okay, okay. <laughs> Neve. Neve. Hey. Hi. <laughs> I have to start this out with I am such a huge fan that it, oh. this is so dope to have you on in my fields. This is all I've like no no smoke up your ass this is all i've been talking about all week that we are doing this interview so thank you for coming on in my course, like I'm, I, li- I'm literally turning red but i'm so excited you're on this show wow well <laughs> i appreciate you inviting me and of course. what can i say you know it's uh been all the show's been a long time so you know a little bit of the like shine, I think has worn off in terms of people being excited about me and the show. It's still yeah. like it, and, and it does great. But like, so fun to get to meet people who are big fans who are excited, who have their own awesome show that they're doing, and it's just I love it. Thank you. Well, thank you for being on in my feels. I'll let Lou explain to you kind of the basis of our podcast and everything, and then sure, sure. I ha- I have loads of questions for you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so basically, uh, in my fields is, um, you know, thoughts, emotions, feelings created on the inside, create your outside exterior. Um, so we always start the podcast is, you know, how are you feeling like right now? Oh, you're asking me that right now. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, well, I think that there's, and we're, we're obviously recording. Okay. So I think there's a couple different answers to that. I think there's a, how are you feeling right now? Kind of like in this exact moment, which is like the surface, which I would say, I feel great. I just gave my son a bath. We were goofing and laughing in there. Um, it was really cute. Uh, so that, that's a good feeling. I think today was a great day. I feel good about today. I, we actually filmed an episode of Catfish today, uh, or the second half of an episode of Catfish. I better yeah. be on an episode one day. I know you have oh, helpers. You, I know you I have helpers. That's the point, Noah. I know yeah. you have helpers come on the show, so I better be one of your helpers one day. Uh, fine by me. Um, okay. So today was a good day. I, I filmed an episode of Catfish. I wow. um, I had a, a pitch, actually a Zoom pitch for another show I'm developing with a big network, and it went really well. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed, maybe. So like today was a great day. I feel really good about today. But I think if you go, you know, if you go like a little deeper and you sort of then say, okay, well, how do you feel about where you are right now in your life? Or how do you feel about the last four months? Then, you know, there's obviously a lot more that I could kind of get into. Uh, You know, how do you feel about your relationship in my case with my wife? I mean, there's so many different layers and levels of how that question. um, That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all tend to try to usually give the easiest, least uh, vulnerable answer to that, which is like, I'm fine or good. Yeah, Yeah. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. It's like we're trying to kind of the point. Yeah, I guess I feel like the point behind, you know, the show and which I'm excited to talk about the idea of the show because it does kind of tie in. I watch a lot of catfish. Like I'm going to be real with you. I, 
have watched every season multiple times. Season three is my favorite because I love that you get a little cranky. And it's really <laughs> funny whenever your producer is telling you to walk outside and you're like, yeah. I'm sorry, I lost my temper. I just threw your phone in a river. Um, but um, I feel like, so I'm, I'm, I'm a girl that, and I talk about this on every episode, I'm a girl that grew up with um, body dysmorphia and social anxiety and um, depression and not feeling good enough as my as being myself. And I feel like I've noticed that a lot within the show that that people tend to create these accounts because they're they're afraid to be themselves. They they feel like they're not going to be accepted by the world. Uh, or the person that they're reaching out to or they, they're, they're catching feelings for. is that That's pretty much the most common reason of people kind of catfishing, right? Yeah, I think sort of self, self-acceptance and identity are two of the main things that lead people to explore either different identities or um, expressing how they really feel in a, in a sort of safe place, which is often, you know, as a person other than themselves. Um, and, and it's interesting because I used to think it was really more specific to people who, who were, who felt also physically isolated because of where they lived and, and, or the community that they lived inside of. Um, so, you know, obviously if, if you grew up in many parts of the South and you were gay, that wasn't an acceptable thing to be. And as a result, you might not be comfortable coming out. Um, but I think more and more I'm realizing that it really, it's as much uh, something that people in remote places or, or in communities that are biased do as it is people in cities um, or, or even those who grew up in very supportive families. I mean, everyone feels like there's something about themselves that is unacceptable or, uh, you know, that goes against the grain or that might be seen as weird. And so people deal with that in different ways. And, and a lot of people tend to, to explore those feelings through fake profiles. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, especially, especially what we talk about on this, this show is, um, is living your truth. Um, and this is what, something we, you know, we, we preach a lot on this show, especially, um, you know, is just basically just living your truth. And I, I know some situations it can be difficult. It's been difficult for me to live my truth through many situations. Um, but where I am now in my life is just always, I have to live my truth. Um, and I always have the best results. I attract the best results when I live in truth. Um, and again, back to, you know, the spiritual thing is, is, you know, thoughts, feelings, emotions become things. And also truth. If you project truth, you'll attract truth back. Um, and that's the one thing, um, I, I loved about your show. I recently watched the film, I think it was from 2010. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very rare to see shows as yours, which, you know, cause you had compassion, you know, it was a very honest and truthful connection that you had, which ended up being this whole, you know, this, this, this whole of whatever was happening. But I mean, it was, it was truthful and it was, and, and even though someone was portraying some, uh, someone else, it was from an honest place. If that made sense. I found yeah. it quite sweet. It was it also, like, I found it heartbreaking yeah. firstly, and it was honestly quite sweet. And I feel like the way you handled it should be commended. 
and a lot of other people who host these type of shows or you know should take uh should use you as an example of how to deal with certain situations and i feel that, that that's the type of things we promote on this show too well thanks yeah. um because yeah, i do think much to my surprise uh this the success of the documentary and and the subsequent outpouring of both support and uh people asking me for help i think really came as a as a pretty direct result of of being vulnerable mm-hmm. which you know you could say is truth or honesty but vulnerability kind of encapsulates a lot of those things um and people were i think very relieved to see someone in this case me you know expose a, an experience that was perhaps embarrassing um, and a bit naive, but but put it out there, uh, and immediately they associated with it and connected with it, um, and were appreciative that I did that. But to your point about like living your truth, and I don't know if you were steering us this way or not, but I think about that a lot because I have a lot of different sides to my personality. As best I can, I am all of them on the show, but obviously I've learned to trim and edit myself on camera because I want to portray, you know, the sort of best version that I can. And sometimes I get frustrated because I do have things I want to say or thoughts that I I'm struggling to express. So I, I, and I, you know, if I don't have time to kind of figure them out in my head, I just shelve them. And I don't feel like I get to really show my whole self. And, and more, and more to that point, I think, as great as the internet is for giving people an opportunity to express themselves, it's also become, at least in my opinion, and maybe, and it doesn't even seem to be specific to public figures, it's also become more dangerous because if you say something and and people don't like it, then all of a sudden you become villainized or canceled and it's like, well, I was just trying to express how I feel about something. And and so I'm almost more afraid than ever to, to be honest and truthful because it's not worth the risk. It's a scary time to be, to be real. Mm-hmm. I second that. I, I, I tend to stay quiet on things sometimes. Cause it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't right, right now right. with the internet. So question for you with the, with the show, like obviously uh, it started out as the documentary and how did that document, well, I guess, how did that documentary start? Did your did your brother just want to start filming you? And and <laughs> like, was he just like my my brother is talking to some girl in another state? I want to document yeah. this, or was it kind of like a was he trolling you at the time? Like, how did or was it always kind of like did he? How how did that how did that yeah. come about? So uh, if you go back to, you know, the early aughts, um, my brother and I, my brother was studying filmmaking at NYU and I, and my best Mm -hmm. friend at the time was studying filmmaking at Boston University. Uh, And so I was just sort of always surrounded by filmmakers. Um, And that was right around the same time that small, like digital video cameras became, you know, a a consumer available Uh thing, like the little point and shoots. Um, And so they were really excited about those types of cameras and all had them, my brother, especially, and his uh, business partner, Henry. And so they were just sort of filming and capturing everything. 
Um, and so if you go back to our hard drives from, from the early 2000s, like you'll find tons and tons of footage of mostly probably relatively not particularly interesting daily stuff. Um, some of it's of me, some of it's of them, their, their girlfriends at the time, trips we went on, parties we w- were going to, whatever. Um, and I've always had a tendency to both find myself in unusual situations, but also, you know, kind of attract attention and like the attention, especially of like a camera. I just kind of always had a knack for that performative vibe. Um, and so my brother just, I think early on picked up that if there's a camera on me, I'm incorrigible and will likely do something interesting. And so he would just kind of track me through, you know, whatever I was doing and whether that was buying an old car on eBay and flying to New Orleans to drive it back or what it's just like weird stuff that I would do. Um, and so when I told him that I had started getting emails from a seven-year-old girl in Michigan who was painting my photographs, he was like, that's weird and interesting. Tell me about it. And you know, the footage that we have, that's now the documentary, the early stuff from, you know, before we went to actually meet them when it was just like a seven month long correspondence was probably only, you know, an hour or two of clips from different days throughout the months. It wasn't like a primary focus of his. He was busy doing tons of other things, working on uh, longer films and whatever, all kinds of stuff. And it was just this weird little folder on his hard drive that was like Neve's Michigan friends. And it really wasn't until we were, filming and discovered that they had lied to me and then decided they had decided then like, okay, we're going to make, we're going to focus on this for a week or two that, that they actually considered it as a meaningful story to tell. Um, so it really wasn't anybody's intention to turn this into a documentary until we, we understood that there was something going on that might not just Sorry. be what you know, we thought it was. Yeah. And I love the, I love the way that you, one got the name catfish you know like the the the, yeah. the way the i don't want to spoil it for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen it but the way that ends actually was very moving mm-hmm. uh yeah and when you're like wow this is how you got the name catfish that was really kind of touching and then i'm like wow, you guys really made this a human language word. Catfish is now, runny, run. <laughs> Catfish is now like a legit word. I was I was watching the episode the other day where you guys, you and Max were like, it's in the dictionary or some, some type of dictionary now that catfish is yeah. a wrong person. But so as the show has like gone on and technology has grown and social media has grown, would you say that it's easier because, you know, like in earlier seasons, you're on the like Nokia flip flop. Like there's not like, you know, it's not like we have, a you know, or Instagram has just started or there's so many different, you know, and now as technology is getting or social media is getting more advanced, would you say that it's, Easier or harder to get catfish now? The interesting thing is the way in which people are getting catfish today is almost exactly the same way they were getting catfished when we started making the show eight years ago. It's, okay. it, 
it, the pattern is almost eerily similar. I mean, obviously there have been some variations in, in terms of the platforms in which people initially meet, um, you know, whereas it used to pretty much exclusively be like MySpace Facebook, and Facebook. Now it's it's Instagram and, and Snapchat and Twitter and, and Tinder and dating apps. But, but the basic relationship building blocks are all the same. You know, they, they, they met kind of in a friendly, non-sexual way. Um, they started chatting, got to know each other. Then some flirtation kind of came into play. And whether they're talking on the phone or in most cases just texting, very quickly there was this bond that they made. And before you know it, it's a few months and then a few years later. And they're in too deep to, you know, kind of walk away. And so they stay in it because they want to see it through and, and you know, fingers crossed, get their happy ending. Um, and so even though obviously everybody has a smartphone now, whereas they didn't back then, uh, and, and everybody's familiar with FaceTime and Zoom and video chat and all that stuff, it doesn't seem to make that big of a difference. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who probably aren't getting catfish because they've asked to video chat. And when the person says no, they're just like, okay, fine, forget it. And we don't, we don't hear those stories. Um, you don't hear the stories of they won't FaceTime with me. They won't. Right. Well, no, we, we do obviously that we, we hear those stories, but only what I'm saying is there are probably a lot of people now who are much more skeptical who meet someone. And when they, te- when they're told they can't FaceTime with them, stop talking to them and just move on. I like to think that obviously people in general have become more informed and educated and skeptical and, and are better at avoiding getting captured. But obviously there are still plenty of people who it is happening to. Right. Um, and so, yes, while there are more tools available to everyone to avoid it, it hasn't seemed to really matter or change that it's still happening. Um, and hence, hence why we're still making the show. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, you know, because some people in the show, you're like, why did you create this account? And they're like, oh, I just wanted to fuck with people. I just wanted to give back right. at people. But, but you know, I'm always like, uh, I'll be watching it with one of my friends or something. Or I swear to you, this is, again, no joke. I watch Catfish going to bed or like that's <laughs> like my Sunday morning yeah. cartoons. Like what? So, and I'll rewatch it and like make my friends watch it. But, you know, I'm always like, Neve is that guy. Like, he's the man. Like, when you sit people down, because, you know, there are a few people that I've watched that, you know, at first you're kind of, like, disgusted with. You're like, you know, that one guy that's like, I'm the king of catfish. And Max is like, I'm not going to fucking film you, give you (laughs) airtime. Like, but, you know, then what I I think is really cool about y'all is, and you now, now that it's you on your own, is that you take in, you, you still set them down and you guys end up helping these, these hurt people. And, you know, um, I'm sure you're not like, you know, what, what goes on in their life way down the line, but, you know, I love when you, when you'd sit down and, and, and really talk to the people and figure out 
why they want to hurt somebody because usually it's hurt people hurt people. So, you know, these people are hurting, you know, the reason, you know, that they, they want to just fuck with somebody. And those were some of the episodes that I was like, whoa, like the episode that you throw the phone in the river. Like I would have done that too. You know, I, I, I understand. And, but at the end of the day, you still, I feel like you still do give your service to both ends because you give clarity to these people that were hurt that was causing them to catfish somebody and that's what that's what I've really appreciated out of the show because I think a lot of the show has to do with you know if somebody's so angry to just want to fuck with somebody and and a group of friends that lives a state over they're hurting you know and 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 I feel like those talks that that you give people you you when you when you talk to them later on in life they they you know when you call back a month right, or two right, later right. they they always seem to be doing much better um yeah. and uh i don't know that that was something that i've really admired out of the show is that you cater to both ends at the end of the day you check in with both ends at the end of the day you're not like oh we found our catfish fuck fuck all right we found it I'm not going right, to check in with right. them again you check in with them and you see how they're doing. You see if they're still keeping it up or you see if they're doing better in life, if they've grown as a person. And I, I love that. And I admire that about the show. Um, I have another question. Cause this has been like, this is like my favorite <laughs> episode of all time is, is the, or I guess the most, First of all, the Bow Wow episode is probably the, the my favorite of all time, the, the yeah. Bow Wow episode. But um, the medium, the, the, oh my the, God. the, 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 yeah. the yeah, I, I would, I would love to touch on that episode because you really, in that episode, you're like, I just, I can't figure it out. Like, how did it? What was that episode like, Lou? I don't know if you... I, I haven't seen, seen that one. So yeah, so we did this episode where it was actually the... the well, it's one of two 90-minute episodes because we felt like there was just so much content there that was so fascinating that we aired it as a sort of one and a half. Two-part, two right? right, right, yeah. Or yeah, maybe it was... I don't remember how. It was longer. Though. I don't know. On Amazon, it's two parts. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> But basically, what had happened was this young woman wrote in. I think she was like 19 or 21 or yeah, she was young. And um, she lived in, I think, uh, Kentucky or, or somewhere kind of in the Midwest area. Um, and she had been messaged by a woman from Florida who had told her that she had become friendly with this girl's father now what's strange about that is that this girl's father had died when she was much much younger uh and and under very uh awful circumstances what basically what had happened was when she was a two or three years old her father who i guess had schizophrenia um had kind of had a fit and in his fit had actually murdered her mother, his his wife, who was pregnant at the time, oh and then taken this girl and her little brother on like a hours long police chase, eventually getting caught 
and arrested and put in jail. And then as I understand it, killed himself in jail. So like awful, awful experience for any kid at any age to grow up with that as the sort of story of your childhood. And then all the more strange and upsetting as a young adult to get a message from some totally random stranger saying, oh, I'm talking to your dad. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty and, and uneasiness around it from her and her sort of aunt side of things. But she had been talking to this woman for like a year or two and had really, they'd developed a friendship and she trusted her and, and was certain that this woman was legit. So I, we obviously all went into it very skeptical, um, trying to see if there was any chance that maybe there was some way that this woman could have known the dad maybe back when she was younger and he was in jail and maybe she was in jail and maybe somehow she got information about this girl. And but then what would her motive be to like wait this long and then message her and she wasn't trying to get money from her. It was just like, none of it made sense. Um, anyway, so we, we took this girl and her aunt, who of course was the closest living relative to the, the dead dad and the biggest skeptic. We took them down to yeah, Jupiter. Think, right. the, the aunt thinks this is oh full God. bullshit. Right. Full bullshit. And we took them both down to Jupiter, Florida and met this woman. And I mean, she seemed a little weird, but like totally great, at least at first. And, and there was no reason to think that she was messing with this girl. Again, she wasn't in it for anything that we could find. Um, and she just started telling this girl stuff about her dad that, the aunt and this girl just could not figure out how could she possibly know if, if it wasn't that she somehow was communicating with the dad. Anyway, some weird stuff happened. Like the, the girl and the aunt ended up pretty much completely convinced that she was legit. And like, it made me rethink my feelings on whether or not there is either an afterlife or some way to communicate with people after they've left their, you know, earthly bodies. Dude, um, yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, I, we were all pretty shook. And then Max actually was so curious that he had his own, you know, after we left and flew home, he had like, a, I think, two phone sessions with her. And she ended up, communicating with and telling him things about his Max's wife's like aunt who had just recently passed. And like they, so they had their own weird experience with her that was left them very convinced. So I don't know. I mean, it was, it yeah. Was yeah. Lou, like there's, you've got to watch Wait. this episode. I'll send you the link to the episode. <laughs> well, what, what happened was they go in and they, me uh, and Max were like, we're going to let you talk. Yeah. alone and they sit down and um yeah. she starts talking about how the mom used to strip for money and how the aunt that that the girl is sitting next to uh, the aunt and the father used to get locked in a basement together and that's something the aunt had never told anybody mm. ever and she's like your dad is actually here right now like your dad is here right now he was like the the basement. I'm like you guys were locked in the basement, yeah. and the aunt the, the aunt honestly is is at the end of the episode asking, can we stay in touch? Can <laughs> yeah. we? Oh, so and, this and, is like uh, and 
a kind of a no ending ending. Well, right. So it wasn't it wasn't a traditional catfish episode. Oh, got it. In the way it played out, we we had thought and were concerned that it might be some sort of weird sort of scam me catfish thing. But, but it, right, but it wasn't. It uh, was just it just is what it was. Like it, it. What what really is kind of mind blowing is the fact that this person was in Florida. And you usually hear about like people like mediums and whatnot, maybe be walking in the grocery store and they, they, you know, tap someone's shoulder and they're like, your grandmother is connecting to me or, you know, you see somebody and, and uh, you go to somebody or, but it's very, I've never heard of something like that happening where somebody just gets a connection Mm -hmm. from somebody. Right out of the blue like that and and it's crazy because Lou in the episode um Neve gets a hold of some friends of you know every episode he gets tries to get a hold of some friends that um maybe know these people to see if they're real or maybe they are the friend or you know what and he calls the friend and she's like oh yeah I, I forget the father's name but he's become a big conversation for a few years now. He's become a big part of our lives yeah. because he's popping. We, it was the neighbors. It was the woman's yeah. neighbors. Okay, right. The neighbor, yeah. yeah, was like this this has become a friend of ours because he's he's around so much. And so it's just it's such a it's such a mind blowing episode. <laughs> you really have to watch it. And 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 Neve and Max are really really priceless in that episode. <laughs> I have to say because like it, you're like with them. You're like what? Like it really makes you question a lot and the afterlife and everything because it, it there there really is like for me like I don't watch reality. TV or I wouldn't know if you call this reality. It's not like I don't really watch TV like right. period. Uh because or things that are supposed to be non-scripted because I feel like as if they are very scripted. Right. And what I love with the show and like what I like watching is that you know there's no bullshit. Y'all y'all showed up to somebody's house and was just <laughs> like we found we found it on the internet. Let's show up and yeah. hope that they're there and you know I love how raw the show is. Um, it, are you allowed to talk a little bit about the upcoming season? Or sure. What, <laughs> what, what can we you, <laughs> Yeah, what, other than, you know, the obvious, are you, um, I don't know. How, well, actually, how, how are you going to be filming with everything going on with the pandemic and how are, how are you guys yeah. tackling, so tackling that? I mean, we're, we're, we're basically making episodes just like this. I mean, I'm actually sitting at the same exact spot that I've been sitting in, in our little guest house. I'm on catfish. This is like <laughs> my daughter's like arts and crafts room. But um, yeah, we've just been zooming, which is, which has been really interesting. I think, um, and oddly, I, I feel it's made the show that much more real and relatable because everyone's been home for the last four months. I mean, obviously, some people still have jobs, but we haven't really been socializing in any of the traditional ways. There's, there's very few, if any, kind of things to go and see or do. Um, and so I think we've all felt that sort of stir-crazy, isolated loneliness um, that a lot of people feel that tends to lead them to 
wanting to explore both their feelings and sort of a new community of people via the internet. Absolutely. Um, and what's even more interesting is, you know, the show already exists kind of very much on the computer. We, we read the email, then we video chat with the person, then we do our investigation. And so there's a lot of computer mixed in already. Do you copy paste the same email? I, I usually, I know. Well, well is what I'll do the is. the same email that's like, hey, it's me. I think I've just become so, I've memorized it basically. Okay. okay, okay, so I, okay. I always write it out, but then sometimes if I'm, if I am messaging multiple people in the same investigation, yeah, I'll just copy paste. I've always wondered if you copy paste the same thing and just adjust names yeah, for totally. every episode. I've always wondered. Yeah. I've always wondered. I guess, they leave, I guess they leave that part out whenever I say like, all right, I'm just going to copy paste. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't hide it. Anyway. So, so what's interesting to me is that we've been making the show and a lot of the show feels very much the same. You know, I read the email. I'm obviously on a Zoom with Cammy, my co-host, and then we FaceTime the, the, the person who wrote in and we talk to them and, and we bring a friend in. And so all that feels very similar. Um, and then we do the investigation. And obviously we're not sitting next to each other, but we're, we're FaceTiming and sh- I'm sharing my screen. And it's very interactive. And the, the editors and the post-production graphics people have done an incredible job, like really bringing all that to life. Um, and then we sprinkle in little sort of off camera moments where I'm with my family or Cammy's doing her own thing, like while we eat lunch, whatever, in our own places. And that stuff's sort of cute. But, um, but then it gets really interesting because then what we're trying to do is essentially what the person we're helping has been trying to do the whole time, which is just get this person to fucking FaceTime once. You know what I mean? Like that's all they wanted this whole time is just, just get on your computer and FaceTime with me. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's definitely harder than you think it would be. Uh, but it's also, I think, in a weird way, somehow more rewarding because when we show up with cameras and there's a, you know, there's two camera people and then there's the sound guy and there's, you know, there's like, you know, we're, it's, we're, we're a, a, a crew. Um, you know, people are either uh, emboldened to act bigger and be nastier or say things they might not have said normally, or they sort of shut down and they become very shy and and withdrawn. And I think what's interesting about doing it like this is that when people are at home on their phone or sitting on their couch in their kind of regular everyday clothes and there's no cameras or people around and they're just zooming, you get, I think, a more real version of them. And so I think what's made this season interesting to me is that there's something almost more personal about it and more intimate and and people are a little bit more vulnerable because they're not necessarily prepared or or expecting the the show kind of the way they might be if they knew we were coming with all the cameras and stuff. Just So I I think this season is weirdly more intimate because people are are, have less of a guard up because they're just at home on their phones. Uh, I think that's um. How many episodes is it? How how this? So the 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 season that starts airing on the fifth will be, I think, ten episodes. Yeah. Um, we actually haven't finished filming all of them. We we just filmed one today, and I think we're. I'm gonna... dancing because you yeah, just said think... on the fifth. I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have to keep watching my reruns. Yeah. I'm so excited. I I, I think that's yeah. new though. I mean. It just kind of imagining catfish purely online 
or remotely and on FaceTime and, you know, I, I want to know like the reaction. I mean, do they, are they, they're obviously aware that they're on catfish and, you know, everyone's going to be on when they first FaceTime and like, I guess it's harder to, to encaption the emotion behind it. Right. I mean, yes, there's, there's, I mean, well, but, but, but even when we film the show sort of traditionally, they always know we're coming. We don't, you know, we never just roll up. That's, that's sort of one of our core policies is that we, we don't want to do a gotcha kind of surprise yeah. version of the show. We, we want people to both know we're coming and invite us to come because we need them to both be there and also want to share with us. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely different, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think there's, there's, there's something different and special about, about this version of the show. And, and uh, I'm really into it. I'm excited. To see I can't it. wait. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so intrigued by like the, the um, especially, I mean, we are moving in the digital age and I feel like this as in, is going to encapsulate it kind of further than we actually imagined. Um, and it's kind of strange how, you know, during the lockdown and everything else, we, 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 you know, we're very resilient. We, we adapt. And I feel like the show is adapting to the, to the, its environment. Um, and whether or not that's going to change for good. I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm never going to leave my house again. I'm, I love this. Like I'm, I know. I, 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 you know, I was unsociable before this. And even now you like, I'm just gone. Like, this is great. Yeah. Like, I, if I'm going to have dinner with someone, yeah, put me on Zoom. We can eat dinner together. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> this is me now. Um, yeah. uh, and um, just back to your point of the, you know, the spiritual lady and stuff. Um, we actually have two uh, mediums coming or on the show. Uh, one and is one medium that's been on. Two. Oh, I thought you meant future mediums. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, uh, we had medical medium okay. who basically tells you everything. Uh-huh medically with you a spirit speaks to him and then paul selig is which i can i can channel him right now and tell you he's gonna tell you he wants me to tell you to drink celery juice celery juice stay away from he he is he he just he just sent me a wave to tell me yeah yeah, i felt something to tell him to drink celery juice celery juice is his thing he says that'll change your life if you have you tried it you know what I have not had one sip of celery juice. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have. I take it daily. Uh, of course, of course you know, celery is is like ninety percent water, right? So it's essentially just drink more water, right? I guess so. Right. Uh, Can I do that with a watermelon instead? Just drink watermelon juice. My, my skin. Yeah. I mean, it's great for your skin. Watermelon juice. No, um, celery juice. I feel like that would. Yeah, I feel like that's not good for your skin. Anyways, so we had two mediums. Uh, medical yeah. medium and Ty- Tyler Henry, uh, who is oh Tyler Henry know, too. Ty- so we had three. Yeah, that's yes. We've, we've had so many. <laughs> we like uh, we love mediums. Yeah, I mean yeah. Spir- spiritually. I mean, I, like obviously, there's something bigger than us all. Um, and- yeah, I read a uh, if if you're looking for a, um, a I'm I'm sure there are many fascinating books on this subject, but the one that um, the only one that I've read that I think also was the most convincing for a person like myself, who is, you know, not someone who necessarily believed in the soul or afterlife. Um, this, this book changed my view on that. And that was called proof of heaven. 
uh, and I'll quickly summarize. The, the book was written by a, uh, a neurosurgeon um, who is the, one of the top in his field, um, who, who works in Boston at a major medical institution. And he woke up one morning not feeling great, um, called in sick to work. And then that afternoon, his wife came home and found him like having a seizure on the floor of their bedroom and rushed him to the hospital. He, they quickly sort of sedated him. And within, I think, 12 hours or so, his, he got so ill and had such a terrible fever. Um, he basically went into a coma. And his brain activity over the next six days decreased until he was essentially a vegetable. I mean, there, there was very little to, really to no hope that he would ever recover. And if he did, they assumed he would be, you know, probably either paralyzed or limited function. Um, and then somehow on the seventh day, he opened his eyes and he looked around and he was fine. Like he just woke up mm -hmm. and he was so, uh, you know, full of wonder and, and, and love and passion for what, for the experience that he had had on those sort of six days that he spent the next three years figuring out how best to sort of write down what in scientific terms is called a proof, you know, to basically say, I now know, having had firsthand experience that there is in fact a world far, far beyond the one we know. And, and I have the, had an experience that is proof of that. And he wrote this incredible book. He explained his journey um, and what, and what he ended up sort of discovering at the end of it. That was then some like, it's even right now it's talking about it, like my cheeks start to tingle um, <laughs> because th there's something at the end of the, of the book that you realize that this, this guardian, this angel that sort of led him down this rabbit hole into the universe ends up being someone in real life that he never knew. Yeah. But it's just really, it's just like, it's amazing. Wow. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Well, if you want to, um, read another book. Mary Hensley's books are incredible. She's actually a friend of mine. Her name is Mary Hensley. Um, and there's, her books are incredible. I actually, I talk about her on every episode. She uh, basically, basically died in a car crash uh, and saw it all happen from bird's eye view. Um, wow. By the time she watched herself go to and from the hospital, she she knows everything. She knew everything. Um, and basically, to make it short, since I say it every single episode, she was presented with her spirit guides, as she called it, whenever she went to heaven or wherever you whatever you believe that is. Um, she believes in God and heaven and you know, she believes that was her spirit guys. And they said, you've had this ability since you were young. Cause when she was young, her grandfather would come to her and uh, talk to her in her dreams, her grandfather who passed away um, and told her someone in her family had cancer, which they found out they did. Um, and numerous things that, you know, she was very spot on and she knew because she said, 
grandpa would come to her in her sleep right. and tell her. And so whenever she, you know, was presented with what she says was like a movie of her life, uh, within seconds, they showed her her life and they said, you know, you can stay here or you can go back home and, and, and continue giving with your gift and healing. And she's now a healer and, and, um, you know, one of the most amazing women I've ever met and, and, and her energy, when she walks into a room, you feel, you feel it. And, and it's incredible to read her story. She has about three, three books. Uh, she just came out with another one. Her name is Dr. Mary Hensley. She's so incredible. Um, and she also, she doesn't do like readings, like as if it's like, you know, here's your future. Right. It's more, it's more, you know, this spiritual healing where, you know, she can lay a hand on you and you feel the, the, the beautiful energy, the positive energy that just comes from her soul, from her being, you know, so connected to uh, that higher power. Yeah, I believe, I mean, you know, um, I even, me as a, uh, you know, I'm not from any of this background. So for me, this is something that I've kind of learned or developed over the years um, to a now to a point where I scientifically for myself. So if I would think about something unresistantly, say, I don't know, a friend you've never spoke, you haven't spoken to in 10 years. And then all of a sudden they text you. That's an, uh, that's not a coincidence. That's an unresisted thought. Now, if we can, as a society, get to everything in our lives as being that unresistant, and I'm talking like, you know, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is up to these days, and then they text you from right. random places, right? That's an unresisted thought. So if we can get back to our careers like that, our love like that, we can get back to that level. Um, you know, I call it the Jesus, the Buddhas, the anyone who's been remembered forever. Right. They got to that level. Um, and I feel like we've, we've kind of lost our way in that. And a, a perfect example is Angela, you know, from, from the original documentary, she manifested, she yeah. loved your paintings. She, you know, she clearly fell in love with you and she attracted you regardless of whether she lied or not, or right. I'm talking about the initial yeah, no, the manifestation is real. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, she painted a picture of a, pho a photograph and sent it to you. And to be honest, her paintings are pretty good. Yeah. Like, All I right. was like, damn, like she's got talent. You know, and you still uh, speak to Angela today. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to her now in years. Um, she's okay. still a Facebook I friend. remember, I remember you kept in contact <laughs> and there, she was a Facebook friend and, but it, that's, that's not. Yeah, and we, we, we stayed in touch. Um, she, there was a period of time after we were filming that she was still kind of unraveling some of her, of the story and the lies, but, but, um, eventually by the time the film came out, we had, uh, Henry actually flew to Michigan to show it to her before anyone else saw it. Um, and she liked it. Um, but she was actually oddly disappointed, um, because she felt that the story would be more about her like at, at her painting, she didn't, she didn't realize that, that it, it sort of had become, it kind of became, started as a, as a ended up becoming more about me and her, whatever. She was a little like surprised at how it had ended. But um, right. we, we 
auctioned her paintings uh, at the premiere. And we, I even invited her initially when we were making the pilot of the show to, to, to be my co-host um, because I thought that would be really interesting. Uh, and I understand she wasn't interested and she wanted to kind of fade back into the, the background and, and go back to her regular life. Um, Max was Max was a good choice. Yeah, Max. Max, you know, it's funny. Max wasn't even um, supposed to be my co-host. I, I had I'd asked a, a, a different friend from New York who was a filmmaker uh, and a close friend to to do it, and he had said yes and was scheduled to do it. And then the production dates changed, and the first friend had a, a conflict, and so we scrambled. And I was like, Max, can you please do me a big favor and just like do this with me? Um, That's so fun. And he didn't, you know, he didn't think he would end up doing more than just that one, you know, three or four day episode. Um, I think, um, but, I think we, we, as a society, I mean, even when I, I remember watching the documentary when I was obviously younger and we're so quick to judge, you're like, yo, you know, Angela's this, or she's that she's that. And I, now I watch it from a standpoint of maturity and we need to, as a society, get back to a place of no judgment until we at least research or know the facts of what's going on. Um, and you know, again, I said, you know, at the beginning of the show that it, it broke my heart. I was like, oh my God, I feel so for this, for this woman, um, yeah. because her intentions weren't, weren't bad. She was just trying to find an escape from, from her reality, you know? Um, and none of us, I, especially me, I, I haven't experienced, you know, I've experienced hardships. Of course, everyone has, but I mean, just, just seeing the way she was living and, and the paintings and she was just manifesting in such a way that you know, no one can really understand. Um, and again, I want to commend you because the way you handled that, I was like, this guy's fucking dope. I was like, this, like, and and watching all the catfish. Keep, keep watching more episodes. I mean, I did my wife watches it all the time. So you you literally just say out loud, out of nowhere, Needs the man. I'm sure that's what I say. We all, you know, as as husbands, we all sit there and go, you know, we don't really watch that. And if your wife's watching the Kardashians, you watch the Kardashians. Because you, you're always like, what's going on? And you have to understand what the hell everything is or whatever's going on. Um, but yeah, we, we, I mean, we've been watching Catfish for years. Yeah. Yeah. And you know? Yeah. I swear, Neve, I swear in every episode, there's one moment where I'm always like, yep, Neve's that guy. <laughs> like, you, you, yeah, you always know what to say, like, whether it's something like, really funny or you're not yeah. trying to be funny but it comes across really well, funny and thanks it's funny no because you, you said earlier that like you like season three because you felt like that was when i started to kind of get a little bit more cranky or more con- <laughs> i think you also i feel like you guys both like settled into the show for sure a lot. well you know it's funny what i'm what i'm finding now in in just the last you know two or three months now that we've been filming is because I've seen and, and heard so many versions of, of the truth and, and people explain why, you know, or, or justify what they've done or, or try to excuse what they've done. I don't, I definitely, I've noticed that I'm, it's harder for me to get to the same level of, of emotional involvement. Um, things don't bother me or inspire me or upset me or anger me as much as they might have in earlier seasons um and i find myself just wanting to listen and and understand more Mm -hmm. um Uh which 
I'm happy about, but also I, I recognize sort of as a, as an on-camera talent and, and producer might not be as interesting. (laughs) So there's never a season that's been uninteresting at all. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and I don't think this one will be either. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's interesting to me how I've changed, how, how, how the experience of making the show and, and meeting all these people and hearing all their stories has, has, you know, m- matured me in a way that makes me a lot less quick to feeling, um, which I think is something we can all work on mm-hmm. um, because right. it is easy often or easier often to let your first sort of gut reaction to somebody or something that somebody says kind of lead the conversation or, or you know, mm-hmm. you, maybe it's to laugh or maybe it's to, to re- recoil or whatever it might be. So um, I think what I'm happy about is that as I get older, whether it's on the show or with my wife, I've learned to just listen and and then let that information kind of sift through the different parts of my brain and try to come up with a reasonable and, and meaningful response that isn't as emotionally charged. You have to Buddha that shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Take a step back, and uh, I want to. I, I want to just touch up on you know um, the, the the kind of love aspect too. Um, you know, I I really want to, especially with this show, is 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 project people learning to love themselves, or even oh, yeah. let's start at liking yourself. Um, you know, I've learned to. I, I I love who I am. I like who I am. I'm. A, I'm I feel like I'm a great person. I'm living my truth constantly. I love the people around me. I love everything that's going on with my life. Um, and it's, these are mental things that I've always, always worked on. Um, so what happens is the more I project that and believe it on the inside, the outside will, will vindicate that feeling. Um, and, I, and I really want to drum that home to, to, to everyone who's listening and everything else. Please, please, please learn to love yourself. It takes practice. It takes a lot of fucking practice. Just like everything in life, you know, uh, like getting your mind right. My mind is still silent all the time because I work on my still mind. Um, and there's techniques you can do. There's so many things we can do. And I think, you know, the, the reason why with your show and, and the way, like you said, with it, people feel isolated and they feel alone and they feel all these things. So they create a persona of someone who they can be. Right. And instead of removing that image, they are actually that person. It's just yeah. filled with, you know, this fabrication of, of an image. Um, so I really want to drum that home to whoever's listening. Just please, please learn to love yourself. Work on it. Like just, just right. work on it. That's so true. I mean, that I, I, I think the way you said that is very eloquent because oftentimes people who are catfish, who have, who have simply just veiled their identity with the thin veneer of a fake profile picture have had people fall in love with them based entirely on who they are, their personality, their sense of humor, their vulnerability, all of the things that make them wonderful, just not what they look like. And if we can, like you say, learn to understand that no matter what you look like or where you live or, or you know, however you identify, you're beautiful, you're, you're amazing people. There are people who you can connect with and who will love you. Then I think people will project that confidence and, it, and then attract those people in return but it's tough because there's so much societal pressure on, that's what i was about from to that, you know from just sort of how you look 
Um, and that, I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to tell someone they're wrong when they say, well, you know, I just wanted some people to talk to me and I knew that they would do it if I was hot versus how I look, you know, in reality. So that's frustrating because there is, there is a barrier, um, whether you want to admit it or not, that, you know, is undeniable. Uh, but you're right, um, Lou, there's definitely a lot we can all learn. And I struggle. I mean, you know, as great as you guys, you know, think I am on the show, like I'm, and I, I know even earlier when you said, how are you? I happen to have been feeling pretty good right now, but I'm a, a mess every day. I'm a mess. I mean, I have ups and downs. Uh, I get cranky. I have mood swings. Um, sometimes for no reason, I'm just in a terrible mood. Like, and I get frustrated with myself. I, I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough. I don't feel like I'm living up to my full potential. Um, I get jealous of other people who are doing things that I wish I were doing. Uh, and I go through the whole suite of emotions that I think everybody does. Uh, and, and I constantly have to remind myself, I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. I am doing a lot. I'm in a great place. There's no rush. I've got time. There's more, like, I don't have to. I'm constantly kind of trying to calm myself down. Um, Whether it's from getting annoyed of stupid little things around the house or, or bigger things that are out, out of my control. Um, So that's something that I, you know, you say you work on all the time and, and that you find things that you're, that do make you happy. And and for me, I've, I've found that uh, I love running uh, and exercise. Um, And when I'm running, you know, usually I'll go for like an hour to an hour and a half long run. And like, I think part of why I like it so much and I don't listen to music and I usually run alone is because I just don't think about anything. Mm -hmm. It's just that space that I give myself to just not be sad, not be worried, not be planning and just be there. The only thing that matters to me is like, what's six feet in front of me? Because I don't want to trip on a fucking brick. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Yeah. And I love that. That's, um, that's, to be honest, I, I appreciate the honesty. I, 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 like, I love this is what this show is about. And I feel, you know, I've been there. I always feel like I'm not doing enough or I have felt sorry uh, or, I'm, or I'm not doing this. Or I used to look at other people and be like, well, they're not working nearly as hard as me. And then I realize it's me, you know, um, and, and I have to like put, I call them ticks. So, for example, if you're doubting yourself, you put a tick in there um of like a snap of say um you know i'm not doing this right or doing this and then i'm like oh shit i have water i have a i have a home i have a warm bed i have a wife who loves me i have a a beautiful child i and then you dissect like the smallest little things um even a thing of like i have socks or i have you know underwear it's like some people don't yeah um and then you start putting those ticks in into your life at every moment or you question why aren't you? Why aren't you enough? Why am I not this? Why am I not doing that? Why am I feeling that way? Um, and now, when I see someone doing great things, I'm like, "Fuck yes!" Because you can't. The thing is, with the, when you project. So, for example, if someone was to wish you harm, they can't project that on you. They can only attract that into their own lives. You can't manifest for someone else. So um, you have to put. We're creatures of habits. So right now, we're all in a habit, regardless for forever. Everything we've ever been taught. Yeah. coming into our lives and we're habits we have to nip and retrain our minds technically for us not to feel those things 
Um, and I'm a pretty positive person now, but I've been working on myself for a very long time. Right. And I say it in every show, my head used to be too heavy for my, my body. I used to, I was weighed down by so much bullshit and I realized it was me. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Steve, I'm a lot like you, like when you were explaining your personality traits, I feel like I'm a lot like you. Like yeah. I, I feel like in a way, which Lewis helped me a lot, like with, you know, comparing myself to others, like, damn, you know, like I should be doing that. If like, you know, if this person's doing that, like I should be, you know, I like, I feel that, I feel that jealousy. I feel that, you know, sometimes am, am I not doing enough? What can I do to make myself better? Like, and right. you know, get in those moods. So I completely, when you were saying that, and then Lou was like, thank you for being so honest. I wanted to jump in, but, and say like, you know, I feel like, there's so many people who are like that. And also people, people with creative minds, people who create, you're right. a creator too, you know, mm -hmm. that we, we have that side of us where, you know, it's just in us, whether you, you paint, you dance, you write, right. you, you make music, whatever, you're a creator, you're you get a little cuckoo sometimes. Yeah. It's interesting though, because I, it, you, there's like a little sort of, suite of emotions that are all associated with that feeling you know so when i see a friend who who is posting on instagram let's just call it and they and they have a really either great photo or they're doing an ad and it's and it's a good ad that they've done that i enjoy like first i i like it and I, i'm i'm happy to have seen it and then i i'm like a little jealous and then i get weirdly i think angry because it's like I should have done that. Or why didn't I get asked? Like, there's so many little <laughs> micro feelings yeah. that, that I think we all go through because we're constantly comparing ourselves because that's just the nature of where we are with the evolution of social media. Um, and, and we living, we're living in a world right now where everybody is their own business. And so you're, you're not just seeing people and, and sharing experiences with them. You, you know, you're seeing their, <laughs> their, their brand, you know? And, and it's like, well, how does my brand compare to their brand or how does my life compare to their life? And so it's just a really, I think, tough time to, to be a human in a weird way. Um, yeah. I'm going to, um, I, I mean, I give this speech every time in my podcast, but comparisons. Um, so I, I this is, I'm going to break it down so practically because I'm a pretty practical guy. I'm, I mean, I can get super spiritual and super deep, but I mean, I'm from um, Same. pretty normal yeah. background. So, um, so comparisons, like, the reason why people compare themselves, but it, so for example, you have an item for sale, right? It's one item in the whole entire universe. Um, you know, it can manifest, it can, it can heal itself. It can do all these type of things. How much is that object worth? It's priceless. And that's, that's basically, I'm describing humans. Right. That's us, right? So right. factually, there's only one of you. There's only one of no, there's one, only one of me in the whole entire universe. Fact. So every single person on earth is the most unique thing that's ever existed at this time and is ever going to exist. Fact. And when I met Lou, to kind of jump in there, when I met Lou and he told me that I didn't, I was at such a low place in my life where I didn't even feel like I was unique enough to be that. You, you feel me? Yeah. Like I, like he was like, but Noah, there is one you. And I was like, but I feel this small. Right. I feel non-existent. I feel 
that that's how I felt at the time. And you know, that that's why Lou and I have this podcast together. So Lou Lou's also my A and R. Uh, and I, and I, and I met <laughs> him <music> together. <laughs> yeah. He, he helps me with my music and, and on everything on that side and tells me if what I write is good or not basically. And what I'm putting out. And, but when, when I met him, uh, I was at a really, really, really low part of my life. Um, I, I just got off of tour. I, had been struggling with being suicidal. I was depressed. I was mentally unhealthy. I wasn't taking care of myself or, and, um, we kind of did this cleanup of my team and I brought in my own A&R and I did all this stuff. And I, when I met him, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a work relationship. We're now literal God family. I'm the godmother of his child i have to mention that in every episode <laughs> and and but like and i call him my literal like god brother because cool. he, we've just become so close because when i met him i was at that such low point in my life where i felt like i didn't even exist and he was like noah there's one of you one of you and that was almost impossible for me to hear at a point and so i think what i i want to say real quick about people that you know struggle with their identity uh, because I felt like I didn't even have an identity uh, or people who struggle with self-love or being confident enough to show their face. Um, you're absolutely going to find people that love you for you. Uh, you don't have to try to fit in because I, I wrote a song, right? It's called Lonely. Uh, and I, and I say, I, I try way too hard, but I still miss the mark to fit in. Nothing you're going to, you're going to do really is, is going to make you walk on water in today's day. And there's all, you know, you've got to just be yourself and, and, and live that truth. Um, someone will fall in love with you. Yeah, someone, and I think you will, you will find that person. Yeah. That, I think what, 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 what my takeaway from that is like, and I think you've helped me maybe understand and, and perhaps better articulate this, but for the people who think they need to present themselves differently, whether it's in how they dress or, or through a fake profile because they want to attract attention, you know, f for every one person that you might attract in that somewhat false way, I think there are hundreds of people who would be attracted to you as your, as your true self, if you put that true self out there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that obviously is, it is, it can be scarier and, and more vulnerable, but um, that's, that is the great sort of flip side of, of the internet and social media is that it, it does give a platform to people to find like-minded um, true, you know, artistic, expressive people from anywhere. Um, Absolutely. Which is, which is what's so great about it. So I love that. And so everyone stops sure. comparing. There's nothing to compare to. Yeah. Yeah. Man. You just, you just gotta. <laughs> Why you do gotta... I wake up every day and feel like ah, I should, I should have a podcast. Well, then do, do it. Well, you do can it. join ours. No, I know. But you know what? I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that I, I, I have, and that, you know, 
something that I constantly say to myself now, and I think, you know, I'm getting to this point in my life at 35, but I'm learning what I'm good at and what I'm going to do and learning how to accept what I'm not good at and what I'm just not going to do. Yeah. And I love spending time looking for old cars on Craigslist. Occasionally, if it's cheap enough and interesting enough, I might buy it. I love then sort of researching it, finding weird parts on eBay, fixing it up, and then I sell it. And like, it's a senseless hobby. And my wife teases me about how much time I spend doing it, but it makes me happy. And I don't want to feel bad about that. And so I just decided I'm not going to feel bad about that. And now I don't. Yeah. Do what you love. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it, it, I mean, we've been working on this podcast for like a, a, over a year. I mean, we wanted to make sure, you know, the context was there, what we wanted to say, uh, make sure it resonates. But I, I've seen so many people on, on, you know, posts being like, you know, during lockdown, don't create a podcast. And I'm like, well, fuck you. Just because you don't, you, you clearly right. want to. Those are the, so <laughs> live as you, like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like I, I'll, I'll do exactly I'll that. Listen I to your podcast. I, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about it, you, know, you could listen to I'll, it. I'll, I'll be your biggest listener. You. If you start a podcast, you have a subject, right? Well, just so you know, and there's an audience I'm, for everything. I'm not trying to plug. I'm not trying to plug. <laughs> I, did, I did do sort of, I guess you call it one season of a, of a podcast um, called IRL. Uh, and I think it's still available. I think it's online. In, in, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go find it. What does that stand um, for in real life? In yeah, real life. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I mean, Neve's automobiles. That sounds it like just a wasn't, yeah, It wasn't meant to be. Actually, you know what I should do is I should, that's right. That's what I should. You yeah. know what? That's that. You know what? There it is. There's the, even the language of that's what I should do. Yeah. Then creates. That sounds like the podcast title. Well, it creates a, a, a trigger it flips a switch in my head that then immediately links to that sort of bad guilty feeling of well i know i'm not going to do it so that's just another thing that i should feel bad about not doing yeah um and so even learning how to talk about things and you know understand that you know what i'm i'm not gonna fucking make that podcast because i don't want to make a podcast <laughs> you know what we have to do we have to we have to be like children children yeah live they're one thousand percent true. If there isn't, a, right. I'm, I'm talking up to a certain age, of course, um, when everything else kicks in. But you know, my, my daughter's like she cries when she's hungry. She crawls around. She knows when she wants something. She knows when she doesn't want something. Like we need to get back to that because she and I'm sure your kids live their absolute truth too. Let's let's all use. How old, how old is your daughter? Uh, she's nine months. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, totally. So, yeah. Man, mine's now three and a half, and you can already see the. The, the the brain changing and, yeah. and the way they pick up on social the wheels they're turning yeah yeah so yeah so li- li- live live as children uh, and then you'll get back to how we should be and that is the path of of uh, Jesus or Buddha or they, they live like children and mentally I'm talking about like they do exactly as they do and there isn't no second guessing them there isn't no you know any of that type of stuff. And so again, back to, you know, your show, please, everyone live your truth, learn to love yourself, practice every day on your mental health. Um, I'll give everyone a technique that I, I use. It's um, when my mind's racing so much, I count from a hundred to zero and then I pause and then I do 50, zero, 50, zero. It's the hardest thing you've ever done and you'll want to, you'll hate it. 
But after probably you mean you about count from fifty to zero and then from zero to fifty? No, so a hundred to zero. So a hundred, ninety-nine, ninety-eight, ninety-seven, oh, okay. ninety-six, and then you'll be like, Oh shit, I didn't pay that bill, or oh shit, I, I have that idea, or oh, forget all that. Go back to where you remember ninety-seven. It would take you probably twenty minutes to get down to zero. Oh. So you're getting you're clearing your mind out. And then fifty zero, fifty zero, if you do that five days minimum, you, you won't be thinking a thing. And then what happens is, and then you start tapping into the creativity of it, of life, and then ideas will come to you without all of the the mess that's already in your mind, and you'll be able to hear clearly what's coming to you. I also love eating mushrooms. (laughs) Are we talking magic or or just general mushrooms? Yeah, no, magic mushrooms because... (laughs) Can we shroom together, please? Please? I would love to. I mean, I don't... I don't, I don't do it often, but every time I do, what happens is so magical because, not because it's hallucinogenic and I don't do a lot. I don't need I a, am a big advocate for mushrooms. So right. wait, wait, so I, I just find, I just find that I stop thinking about things, mostly things that bother me or that are in my environment that I'm either unhappy with or want to change or whatever it might be. And I just start having fun and I, and all of a sudden i realize like oh i can have fun i can laugh and i can i can just sit here and be comfortable and not be worried and it just feels so good mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah maybe i need to start microdosing. i don't know but wait, i feel wait. like also like when you do you know like a shroom night or like whatever it kind of that's what i call them shroom nights it kind of like resets you for like a yeah. month uh, two months and it's just like it just I don't know I honestly there was a point in my life where when I was really depressed and I had one night on shrooms that was absolutely magical and honestly my brain my depression went away for for I mean depression I yeah. dealt with my whole life wow. so obviously that comes back but there was a good month where I was so clear-headed and I felt like everything just made sense. You know, I wrote one of the best EPs. I, I'm so proud of my EP. Like I wrote something. I actually wrote a song, um, uh, two two songs actually on that EP. One's called I Got So High That I Saw Jesus. And Shrooms were involved in the making of that. <laughs> and uh, also there's a song called The End of Everything, which actually I think you would like the um, story behind it, which that one was I was on shrooms writing it whenever or not writing it but whenever the idea came to me because I was watching this uh kind of a documentary it's on YouTube you should watch it it's called a time lapse to the uh, a time lapse of the future by Melody Sheep uh his name is John Boswell and he's a director and he basically does a time lapse in about a span of 30 minutes you quickly see how the universe will come to its end not the earth this is past earth dying yeah this is this is the stars blinking out one by one black holes swallowing each other until the last one evaporates and then time becomes meaningless completely meaningless we become a secret we become we become a click of a television screen that goes black is how i kind of think of it and it's called the time lapse of the future and if you like spiritual shit and shroomy shit Watch that. It's 30 minutes. It, it, it just is a countdown of, of how the universe 
goes away. And that didn't, it wasn't really like I was watching it for the scientific facts. I watched it and it hit me at a deeper place of in my heart and what, what life means to me now and how much of the now we need to live in. Yeah. Because literally none of this is going to exist. None of this ever, 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 ever happened technically. If you watch this video, you're going to be like, wow, okay, so like yeah. we never, we never happened. We, so it's called Time Loves the Future. And I ended up, you know, I was watching it and I wrote this song called The End of Everything. Um, but the, the video is amazing. I mean, the video, the video like I had, I had the same uh, John, I had John direct the video. So basically, oh. the video is in within three minutes and 50 seconds, the 30 minute video oh. that he created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And I, I feel like, I feel like you should watch the little documentary he did. I'm not trying to plug my music, nothing, but like go <laughs> watch that documentary he did. Cause it really like does expand. Do you smoke weed? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to have you on the show, but I didn't know, I didn't know if you yeah. smoke weed. So if I, now that I know you smoke weed, I have to have you on the show once it's in play. Because- well, and Max, Max is like a big, big smoker so we could come on together maybe oh my (laughs) i would freak out i would freak out that would make me so happy man mellow's mellow's happy too the thank you so much Um, oh man and and no the um that i mean that director dude is amazing but the, the earth doesn't shrink or die out it only expands yeah, and I and I'll and I'll say and, I, and I'll add also. Uh, I think that it will end in ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the the biggest takeaway for me making the show, uh, and then you know doing things like this too, is it it's really remarkable what you can discover about yourself and someone else when you create a space and just dedicate some amount of time to having a conversation um, and listening to them. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't have that. Uh, Unfortunately, many, many people, young and old, they don't have someone that ever really says, okay, let's just sit down and I want to know how you're feeling. And it's not because, you know, and there's no, there's no, point of time at which I have to go do something else or we have to stop talking. Like we're just going to talk until we're done talking. And, and I think that's what I've realized is, is a, I'm lucky to be, to be able to give that gift, even though it's, it's on the show to just sit down and, and say to someone like, so what's up? What do you, what's going on? What is this situation you're in? How do you feel about it? And then just give them 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, sometimes longer to just sort of talk about it. Because it's amazing what people will will realize and discover about themselves when they're given that space. And so I think that, you know, this is a great space for that. I like to think my show is a good space for that. And I feel like we need more spaces for people to just think about how they're feeling and have someone just gently sort of there to, to listen and, and encourage them to do it. That's why I appreciate you and the mm-hmm. show so much. I mean, besides it being like, you know, like all jokes aside with the show and everything like with that and 
all of that. That's genuinely why I appreciate the show so much. And I think so many people appreciate it is that, you know, I genuinely, I genuinely see you wanting to help people. Yeah. And, and, and I admire that so much. So again, thank you for being on. Thank you for doing this interview because honestly, like I have not, I haven't stopped talking about it. This has been the best. (laughs) I'm so excited and I'm so excited for the new season of catfish and hopefully you and I can do something fun together in the future. Uh, I, I'm I'm now following you back on Instagram as well, so we can. No, no. DM me. Ah! Okay, perfect. And we'll we'll DM plan a and show I'll do the night. Same I didn't. I haven't found your profile yet, but I'll. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just regular Lou. <laughs> are you, where do you, are you guys both in Los Angeles? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so next we're going back to New York this Friday for the foreseeable future, but. Um, when we're done, my wife is here, so I'll say goodbye also. But um, congrats well, to you guys on your when we're back, we'll, well, we should all meet up, hopefully, post-COVID. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, again, I whenever I get this show on the, like, actually rolling, I'll send over stuff to you and whatever. And if you ever need a guest host on Catfish, you know who to call because I will be the best <laughs> guest host ever. I promise. Sure. I won't let you down.